Hey there, this is April with Myonomics, and we are breaking down the strategies on how to sell on Amazon. On our team, we have seven-figure Amazon sellers with years of experience selling, advertising, and even exiting. On Myonomics, we cover all the angles to help you sell and scale on Amazon. So let's get into it. Welcome to our webinar today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to be hosting all of you guys and helping you learn more about how you can radically grow your FBA business. I'm going to quickly introduce myself. I'm Babs and I'm the content marketing manager here at Mayan. So yeah, let's get it started. So if you haven't been to one of our previous webinars, I'll just get you a bit familiarized with our console. This is what you are seeing right now on your screen. So you have the slides and then the speaker box. But aside from that, you have a ton of different tools that you can use throughout the webinar in order to interact with us and with our speakers. So you have the question box where you can ask panelists a question. You have the attendee chat where you can chat with fellow members of the audience. And then we have a survey there that if you could answer very quickly, it's just three questions long that would help us a lot. And then you can look a bit at the speaker bios there, meet our speakers even more than you're going to get to know them now. And then we also have a free ad audit for all of you audience members there. So we're going to talk about that more in depth right at the very end of the webinar. So stick with us, but you can claim your free ad audit at any point during the webinar. And then you can also schedule a meeting with one of our experts in case you want to start optimizing your FBA business with us. So let's get it started. Please drop into the chat. Where are you from? How long have you been selling with Amazon? What do you sell on Amazon? We really want, want to get to know you as well. So you can drop that into the chat. And then I'll just give you a quick refer on who Mayan is in case you haven't gotten to know us before. We are the only PPC optimization platform built by MIT data scientists. And all our customer success managers are proven Amazon and PPC experts. So this combination of technology and expertise is driving unrivaled FBA growth and revenue for our customers. And now getting to know our speakers. So today we're very excited to have Chris Awiki and Emma Borokov here with us. Chris Awiki is an account manager here at Mayan and he started his own private label. He's a very seasoned Amazon seller and he did six figures during his first year with his private label on brand. And he now shares his expertise with other Amazon sellers in order to help them grow and help their FBA business grow as well. And Emma here is the head of marketing in the US at 8Fig. We're very excited to have Emma with us today. She has 10 plus years of experience growing and leading B2B tech marketing teams. And she's really committed to enabling sellers to achieve financial freedom and entrepreneurial success. So thank you so much to the both of you for being here with us. We're very excited to learn all the insights that you're gonna give our audience today and let's just get it started. Awesome, thanks for the introduction, Babs. So yeah, as Babs said, I've been selling on Amazon for around eight years now and started my own private label business. So I know all there is to know about launching products and learning PPC the hard way. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is how to advertise your product launch on Amazon. So the do's and don'ts beforehand before you launch your actual product and what to expect during that period. 
So what I like to do beforehand is to budget out how much um, money I would have allocated for the launch. Typically during a launch, you're expected to kind of overspend to get your product more visibility. When your product is first launched on Amazon, it obviously doesn't have reviews unless you go through the Vine program, which that can take a couple of weeks to get those reviews in already. So definitely want to budget out to figure out how much you're willing to spend on the ads. Uh, it's not necessarily the more the better, but it also depends on your inventory. So one thing you can do before launching your product is do all the keyword research and product targeting research beforehand. You can look at competition, see what they're kind of roughly spending on ads, not necessarily their budget, but you can see what the general CPC, so the cost per click on those ads are. And then you want to shoot for a certain conversion rate. So whether that conversion rate's 10%, 5%, 20%, you got to kind of understand where you're going to be at at the market. When you're when you first launch a product, your conversion rates are not going to be very good. So you got to basically pay a premium to get more placements and to put it in front of more people. And then once you get more sales in the door, that's when you'll get some reviews in, you give your product credibility, and then it'll be a lot easier to sell from there. So essentially for the first month, I would say, uh, there's this quote unquote, uh, honeymoon period, which is when you launch a product, if Amazon sees that you're putting a lot of investment behind it and selling a lot at the start, they kind of give you a break essentially. So you can rank higher up quicker while you're, while you are selling your product in, in that time period. So it's very crucial as soon as your product goes live to have your ads ready. So your advertising ready, your campaigns built out, ready to go. So as soon as your product is sellable. You flip on those ads and you watch your business grow from there. Obviously, ranks are important for a multitude of reasons, but the, in that honeymoon period, I can't stress enough how important it is to kind of go above and beyond. Before I move on to the next slide, it's also crucial that you understand how much inventory you have when you plan to launch, because there's usually three outcomes there. The first outcome is you or didn't order enough and you spent a lot of money on ads and then you sold out during your honeymoon period. And then it's kind of back to square one waiting on your manufacturer to send more in. The, the second option is you got it right on the spot, which typically doesn't happen, or uh, especially on your first launch. Or the third option is you overstock and then you're stuck with a, this excess inventory. And you have to get rid of it. Let me just move on to the next slide. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is sponsor display advertising. It's a little bit different than other advertising on Amazon. So Amazon, like when you think of a normal advertising campaign on Amazon, it's you type in your keyword, your product comes up on the searching grid. Sponsor display is a little different and it's very unique. Um, however, it's a little scary, especially for new sellers. It's scary because it can kind of run away from you and the bids on sponsor display can be typically pretty high. However, the placements that sponsor display gives you is very unique in the sense that it can target people on and off of Amazon, primarily on Amazon, but it takes up placements all throughout the website. So if you look at the left-hand picture there, this is targeting a specific product. Um, so it's, it's, it acts different than just normal product targeting because it has, it displays your image and has a link to your product with the price points. There'll also be a banner above the listing that is also considered sponsor display, but you also see these placements elsewhere as well. Like you'll see them when you're checking out, you might see a little icon there with your item as well there. 
What's interesting about sponsor display though, is the targeting is pretty limitless in the sense that you can target very specific groups of people like recently moved if you're selling house products, uh, which is very unique. You can target people that have looked at your product but didn't end up purchasing it. So you can go back after those people and kind of say, hey, I knew you were interested in this product and put it right back in front of their eyes. And then that typically converts really well. Another thing you can do on it is people that uh, repurchase your products. So you can go after if, for instance, if you sell like supplements or something, something that someone routinely buys, you can kind of go after them again and say, hey, it's time to re-up on your supplements, essentially. So I really like sponsor display for that reason, that it kind of is works and operates differently than just your normal sponsored product ads. And within sponsor display, there's two different types of payment methods. So I'm going to talk a little bit different about VCPM versus CPC. So the way I typically like to set up even sponsor display campaigns, I would say 98% of the time is CPC. So that means cost per click. So cost per click is someone clicks on your ad, you are charged for that click. So if you set your bids at 60 cents a click, someone clicks on that ad two times, you're paying $1.20 for those two clicks. The other example is VCPM, which is driven by the amount of viewable impressions. So with that being said, if, if someone viewed your product a, a thousand times, then you get charged whatever you put in for that impression amount. I, the reason I kind of stray away from VCPM, and again, this kind of ties back into new product launches, I would highly avoid VCPM, is because with impressions, it's kind of hard to tell where they're coming from or if it's actually working. It's really, really great for like brand awareness, showing your product in other areas. However, for a new product, really what you want to focus on is like in the picture there where it's clicked for optimized for conversions, because really you care about getting sales in the door and you probably don't have this huge marketing budget just to get your product known. So I definitely like to steer customers towards CPC versus VCPM. However, there is a time and place for VCPM, but again, I would say 98 to 99% of the time I would stick to CPCs there. And then this kind of ties back to the planning of your launch and how it's really important to have your inventory set up beforehand. What I've done personally in my time is I will set up three different scenarios, like just doing Excel of, okay, my competition is selling this amount and I need three months of supply to, to start my launch. So they're selling this amount. I expect to sell X amount. So I do, uh, I'll have a conservative approach, a moderate approach, and an aggressive approach. And depending on how much budget I have allocated for ad spend and how much I believe in this product, that's how much I order at a time, especially for a launch. I usually like to go maybe a little bit over just because I do fear of running out early. But with that being said, there's things you can do to, to maintain your in-stock percentage so you are staying in stock the whole time without running out of stock. And one of those things you can do that we do here at Mayan is, well, one, we do inventory forecasting. So all your items will have uh, be uploaded to our system and it'll tell you based on given recent sales trends, uh, 30 days and 90 days, at the current rate you're selling, it'll kind of tell you when you're gonna run out of stock on. But what's really important is if you're gonna run out of stock or if you are towing that line a little too much, then what you can do is start bidding down on your ads our system automatically has automations for that, which I'll get into on the next slide. 
but what you, you definitely want to bid down on your ads or if for a fact you're going to run out of stock, then stop your ads because it's better to maintain you being in stock throughout that whole time and save a little bit of money than just running out of stock and having to wait longer. Also within our system, we have uh, profitability management. So we will upload your items into our system. You can give us your cost of goods sold and we will take your um, total sales, so your gross sales, we'll subtract out Amazon's returns, any returns you got on it in the last 30 or 90 days. We will add in your cost of goods sold, like I mentioned. We'll add in the FBA fees and the storage fees, and then we'll add in the advertising fees on an item level as well. So it can kind of tell you exactly how profitable you are after all the, all the fees are taken out, all the fun Amazon fees that are taken out from it. Another thing with that is it's also crucial to understand how profitable you are being at the beginning, because typically you're not profitable at the beginning when you product you, you start a product launch, but it's important because you don't want to bleed for too long and you got to understand that you can make this item profitable. So with that being said, there's times where I typically try to make it one to two months where I'm okay with losing money. But after that time period, it's like, okay, how do we get this profitable? So it's very important that you're looking at all the different fees and all the different metrics there that you don't run out of money, essentially, because if you can't advertise on your products and you're, you ran out of your money, then you, it's really hard to replenish and spend more money on more stock and et cetera. The last thing I wanted to just touch on real quick is more about our automations for inventory informed ads. So one thing that I was kind of mentioning on the last slide, slide is when our system kind of knows you're running out of stock, our system will automatically downbid on certain targets or certain campaigns that have that ASIN in it. So it can stretch out the budget longer and stretch out your inventory longer. Once it knows that you will run out of stock, our system automatically stops the ads. So again, so you're not spending money on something that you're going to run out of stock with anyways. And then as soon as it's replenished, our system automatically turns them back on. So it's a very like convenient method to have this going at all times. So that way you're saving money and you're not risking running out of stock too early and spending money on top of it. There's just no need to do any of that. So that's it for me and I'll hand it over to Emma. All right, hi guys. Um, coming to you from the same exact room as Chris, you can see. But yeah, loved everything Chris was saying. I think that you really do have to look at your the process very holistically in terms of the supply chain, like the product that you're coming in, how the ads are kind of pushing that out, and then how you're making sure that you're going to have product continuing to come in without being overstocked. So I think when it comes to stocking out, like obviously we, we call it sometimes like a champagne problem because clearly people want what you're selling, which is fantastic. But that leads me to the next area, which is okay. I mean, if, if you're an Amazon seller, you're familiar with going out of stock is not, not a beneficial thing. And it can, it can hurt you in the long run. Cause obviously you spent a lot of money kind of working on your rankings, your reviews, that sort of thing. And so if you go out of stock, like obviously you'll get lower search um, results, you'll have lower search ranking. And then also you have to worry about your IPI, so your inventory performance index. So that's really how Amazon is really kind of monitoring your ability to manage your inventory. So if you are constantly overstocked or you're constantly selling out, your IPI is gonna be lower. And I think the biggest, so there's multiple variables that it comes to determining what your IPI is. There's the excess inventory rate, your sell-through rate, 
your stranded inventory rate and then in stock inventory. So it's really just managing how, like where all, knowing where all your inventory is, making sure that you have listings tied to every piece. Um, but the biggest factor is the sell through rate. And so that's really like how much you, you really want to get your sell through rate as close to a hundred as possible without being a hundred because then you're sold out. But so when you're selling out, you're obviously kind of IPI drops and it's just kind of a vicious cycle. Um, and then you'll, you lose competition, you lose business to other competition. In fact, like if you still have ads on while you're out of stock, you're driving people to your competition. So I think kind of the, the ad piece that Chris talked about is super important. And so, yeah, kind of, kind of going off of what Chris mentioned before is what are things that you can do when your sales are accelerating and maybe you don't have enough inventory. And I think aligning the, aligning your ad campaigns with the inventory you have is super important to not think of them as two separate systems, but to think of them as an overall business plan in terms of like, if you're going to be pushing certain campaigns more because of you have a seasonal product, like making sure that you are aligning your supply chain and the amount of inventory you have with that. And so obviously having a good relationship with your supplier. One thing that we always recommend is having what people turn point as a, a proactive supply chain. So having multiple suppliers, having multiple routes. So yeah, air freight is a great option for spending a ton of money, but getting things there fast. So like Sometimes you have to do that, but obviously to have other options that are maybe more affordable, but if you actually plan out the timing correctly, then that can make sense. If you, you're going to save a little bit of money, but you've built in those extra months in order to get the product. So making sure you have those strong relationships. And I think now it's always a good time to find new supplies. I think now, especially with, I believe the container rates from China are at all time lows, like a thousand something. And like a year ago, it was like 10,000. So now is a great time because a lot of suppliers are kind of hurting in terms of they're not making the money that they were, especially not when like it was crazy heights. But so people are really looking to, they're okay kind of taking a cut in terms of what they make now, if it means that you're going to be a loyal customer and that you will be there working with them long-term and ultimately you will get better deals the longer you are with those suppliers and the better service you'll get because you'll show that you're paying them on time, you're going to be a long-term partner. So really those relationships, it's always a good time, but especially now, I think, because you do have a little bit more leverage in terms of just like the current cost of a lot of the shipping right now. And then obviously other things you can do is keeping an eye on the inventory. Um, we definitely recommend having the inventory management forecasting tools. So slowing down the ads or stopping your ads when you're seeing things get really low and then even like raising prices are all just like variables that you have that control of. But obviously it's better to kind of already have built out that plan, but there are things to to help yourself in that situation so that you don't go out of stock and get kind of docked by Amazon. We also have kind of like a few rules of thumb that like obviously things are different for everybody, but um, these are kind of some of the things that we've seen with our customers specifically is so having about like 45 to 60 days of FB of stock in FBA. So like FBA has higher fees. So you want to kind of really balance like 
how much because like a lot of like we've had a customer I, I believe there's a customer who I feel like everyone does really well in Q4 and so like it was a very seasonal product for Q4 and they were thinking like oh Q4 like that's October um that starts in October and so they got they shipped all their stuff to FBA in October but really like things don't start selling till like maybe like late November so that those Q4 costs to store your product in FBA were higher because like Amazon, we all know Amazon does what they want. <laughs> and so like, especially in Q4, like the cost will be higher and like they'll, they'll be a lot more volatile. So that's also why we really recommend we've seen, we also have a lot of customers who swear by having a 3PL in addition to FBA. And that gives you a lot more consistency and also kind of gives you a backup so that if things are like, for instance, like you're overstocked at Amazon, things aren't selling as much as you thought, um, instead of keeping them there and continuing to pay those prices of like the overstock product, you can ship that to 3PL and not have to ship it very far. You can ship it to somewhere like else in the US or wherever you're, you are basing your product. And that way you, yeah, you can kind of avoid the fees without having to put product like in a much further location so we see customers having a lot of success with about like 60 days of stock in their 3pl and then also another lever that we've seen customers do successfully is sometimes you have your your fba but then also sometimes using their three 3pl for fbm so fulfillment by merchant and so being able to ship some things directly from your 3pl if like I see like the scenario that we've seen work really well is like again for Q4 where or like really any time where there's like a specific date people will want their products by. So like it's like a holiday like Mother's Day or something and you're like ramping up all your products. Um, you might want to sell earlier in the season. You might want to ship more things from your like FBM because like there's more time and you're less worried about getting the product straight to people before that holiday, but then switching over to FBA, like the closer and closer it gets to that deadline, because then FBA is responsible for actually getting it to the customer within those days. And it's less on you when you do FB versus when you do uh, FBM. So there's definitely a lot of kind of ways you can not game the system, but just really kind of use those different levers so you're not just kind of at the mercy of Amazon and their every whim. And then so obviously always recommend kind of auditing your supply chain, looking at, especially if it's you've been using the same suppliers for a while, maybe seeing like other people that are out there and obviously you can have multiple and negotiating terms, like that's always something to check back in as well, especially if you've had a longer relationship. Like we've yeah a lot of our customers are just like they get the best deal just by having a better relationship with their vendors and better relationship is usually in constant communication and then that they've worked with them longer and like payments and things have been consistent another thing is that we also recommend doing a lot of incremental shipments instead of fewer larger shipments just because it gives you a little bit more versatility and allows for when you're trying to constantly make sure that you have the right inventory levels it allows for a little bit more um, flexibility if things are selling more or less you can kind of 
edit the amount, edit, like change the amount that you're um, pushing to FDA. Cool. And then definitely um, a forecasting tool. Sounds like mine might have something that would be good for you guys there. So, um, okay, awesome. So actually I wanted to go to this slide first. So another thing that we always harp on outside of proactive supply chain, like mapping out your supply chain is cash flow management. And I think it's cash flow is one of those things that like it seems straightforward, but when you're really sitting there and and looking at the numbers, it's a lot more complex just because it's 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 a lot of different variables together instead of just looking at like, oh, what is the revenue and what is the profit? And so a stat that I found from US Bank said actually like 82% of small businesses fail due to mismanagement of cash flow. So because a lot of times, so like profitability and revenue does not mean you have a good cash flow. So because your money can be tied up, especially with Amazon, where you make a sale as the funds aren't instantly available. Like there, there is a delay on when you do receive that money. And obviously if you're just looking at revenue, there's a lot of other expenses and things you have to factor in and you can be profitable where you're looking at the money that's coming in, but that money probably is not cash that you're holding in your hand yet. Like it's something that's usually like, money that has to be transfer transferred or things like that where it's just like that money is not available like it's not liquid yet so it's really important to understand what you like how you are factoring in like the actual when you're actually going to be getting those funds and that sort of thing and then obviously there's things like supply chain delays and disruptions like we have so part of our, so yeah, we fund e-commerce um, companies. And so like part of our tool is that we have like a supply chain planning platform. So you are actually building out like, so you have a batch of inventory that you're going to get. There's a lot of different payments associated with that. So there's the deposit, there's logistics fee, there's the rest of the money that you have to pay off. And those are all different dates. So the time that all of those like cash payments are due really varies and that can stretch over the course of like one to four months so to know when all those large bulk payments are due is really important to map that out and look at that by batches of inventory um, because there will also be delays so like maybe your product inventory is delayed so you can't factor in the cash that you're going to get from that but at the same time if the product in, like the inventory is delayed that means that that bulk payment of like paying off the rest of the inventory isn't due yet so then then it means so there's just a lot of different variables and just important to kind of map out those key bulk payments as well as when you think you'll actually be making it back in terms of the revenue coming in and a few other things to focus on in terms of ways to improve cash flow. So obviously increased cash coming in. So outside of just like sell more, like be better, some, some not like tricks, but like some kind of recommendations we have are for instance, like packaging products together so you can get the higher, like a higher price point per item that you're selling instead of selling, like, especially if you're selling like smaller priced items is trying to like bundle them and get, I feel like I see that on Amazon all the time where you might get two and three 
pairs of a thing that maybe you didn't necessarily want two or three of them, but you're like, it might be nice to have two or three of them and they all come in different colors. So great. So things like that, as well as off, I guess this might be more for like Shopify versus Amazon, but like offering different types of payment options. So making sure that multiple people in multiple places can, can pay for it successfully, as well as like diversifying the types of products you offer, especially if, for instance, you are a seasonal product and it's not your season. So maybe there's like a tangential um, product that will be like similar in your wheelhouse would be more relevant to a different time of year. Um, there's another idea. Um, another thing is to decrease the cash going out. So of course, um, like assessing your operational costs, like, so for instance, like sometimes it seems obvious that like, okay, we should probably be doing, we should have contractors do X, Y, and Z that would be easier and cheaper than having someone in house, but sometimes it's actually cheaper to have the person in house. And sometimes you just have to look at kind of those costs in bulk and really understand like what makes more sense and and maybe you do need to have that in-house like full-time person and that will um decrease your operational costs as well as maybe time managing multiple contractors that sort of thing and another thing is so eliminate overhead so obviously just always assessing like what are things that you can cut maybe there's ad campaigns that haven't been converting and you really just need to turn them off and and try something else or just focus on the ones that are really really being successful as well as delaying purchasing big ticket items so if you need yeah, I mean, if you need some equipment, you need like, yeah, maybe just if if you're noticing you have some big bulk payments due for like large batches of inventory, then it might be worth delaying some of those purchases until you find another kind of area where you'll have a little bit more cash available. Cool, cool. So talking about money and cash flow, obviously one of the options that you can go down is getting growth capital. So I think it's different for everyone, but a lot of times, like obviously like it's called like the cash flow crunch. When you're selling physical products, you're paying for those physical products in advance. And then months later you get the money from that. And so if you are scaling and great, like you're making revenue, you're making profit, you're putting that money back into the business and getting more inventory. There's a point where like you won't be able to scale. You won't, you will go out of stock waiting to like get the next round of inventory because you ran out of cash. So you don't have any more money to upfront. Um, and that's just kind of the typical problem of any e-commerce company that's just doing well and wants to scale. So being able to access capital that can allow you to just put that back into inventory and, and scale is, I mean, I guess that's what growth capital is. So let me see what I, cool. So, I mean, something that we definitely do is um, like primarily funding inventory, um, which is a great, like that's definitely what we, we recommend when you're looking for growth capital is to prove out like because we work with sellers who are usually like they've been around for 12 months and like minimum 100k in sales annually and so it's pretty much the point where okay you got your product you launched your product you've been able to refine your process enough where clearly you're making repetitive decently consistent revenue. And so when you are looking for funding, like you should be putting money into the things that work. Like obviously there's different routes of getting funding because like a lot of like tech companies are getting money and putting that into R and D 
and but like what we really recommend for e-commerce sellers is to like put that money into the thing that's already working versus putting that into more R&D or like experiments for yourself to work on new products. And that's something that like when you use growth capital to fund the inventory to like keep building the things that clearly have traction, then you can use your own money to fund more of that like experimentation, like new product launches and, and that sort of thing. So in terms of financing, like there's a lot of different options for sellers and there's there's benefits and drawbacks for each. So there's things like merchant cash advances and revenue. So revenue-based financing is pretty much like you have to pay back a percentage of the amount of money um, of your revenue. So that can be good and bad because like you if your sales slow down and you have to pay like 3% or whatever it is back, that's not too much money. Like that's a much smaller amount. But then if you're doing very well, that is a much more significant individual number that you'll be paying the company. So we are actually, we are actually merchant cash advances. So we are like, it's more of a fixed cost over a period of time. So it's really good for companies that are kind of like I mentioned that are younger, a few years in, have seen like at least like six digits revenue and just kind of know what they need to do in order to build and just kind of need that money to put in to inventory and grow. And so it's more of like a short term funding solution that is just like an alternative to it. it's like a lot faster, obviously, than like going to bank, going to get a bank loan. And then because it's like e-commerce first, it's just like, we understand the the difficulties of the supply chain. And I think like, I, while e-commerce as an industry has blown up, I don't think that banks have really grown as quickly to understand and support these types of online businesses. So yeah, and then let's just go through. Okay, and obviously like something like, Pursuing venture, venture capital and angel investors can be a really great route as well. I think that's more if you want someone to, so like revenue-based financing, merchant cash advances, lines of credit, those don't take equity in your business. Venture capital, angel investors, those do take equity in your business, but it can be really good if you want someone to, because they are getting a piece of your business, they now have more of a, like, obviously like a monetary and like personal investment in your company. So they can be, that can be really good if you want someone to provide guidance and support and networking. And like, I think if that's kind of more, if you want that kind of holistic support versus like, I already know what I'm doing. I just need money to scale. So it's definitely a different route. And then also like small business loans is another route to explore. I know a little bit less about that. So I won't talk about that. And yeah, so kind of what I, I've mentioned is let me see, this is my last slide. So yeah, we have a just just I don't need a pitch any harder than I have been. But in terms of kind of how we differentiate from other like funding options, because there are a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of different, I think you really do just have to do the research on what you need and what you're looking for. Because there's quite a few things out there, but we just specialize in e-commerce, like small, medium-sized companies that are kind of looking to scale. Sometimes people just want to maintain like a small little side thing, but like a lot of our customers are just, they're hitting that six digits in revenue. And so we 
basically our funding is incremental. So kind of like I mentioned, like mapping out the supply chain. So pretty much our sellers like map out each batch of inventory, like what are all the, what are all the pieces that will be due in terms of like the bills for each. So like the deposit, like the logistics, like what are all those costs? And then when are they due? And then what does that look like over the course of like six to 12 months? And so then our funding is based off of that plan. So you basically get the funds that you need when you need them. Um, it's also flexible. So we know the supply chain is insane. No one knows when things, but you can forecast it, but like, you, you never know. So you can change if you need to, you need more money, you need less, like the inventory is delayed. And now you want to delay like the next round of funding, like you can do that. So just trying to be a lot more flexible and understanding of a typical e-commerce business than some of the, like the banks and up banks and everything out there. So cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emma and Chris. That was very insightful. I think our deck goofed a bit here, but yeah, let's open it up to some questions. We have some questions from our audience right now. So the first question comes in from Ronald and he's asking. I noticed that in the last two weeks, my sales on Amazon have literally nosedived by 50%. I did not change much of anything on our offerings or advertising. Is there something hanged at Amazon or something seasonal going on? And I think, Chris, you could be the person to answer that. Yeah, absolutely. So without diving into the product specifically, it's extremely hard to tell or like the products specifically. I will say just a couple anecdotes right right now. June is typically like a really slow month in uh, on on Amazon. It's like one of the slowest months. Another thing is everyone kind of knows now that Prime Day is announced that Prime Day is around the corner. So we have seen a little bit of slowdown. However, a 50% nosedive is very alarming. So that makes me believe that there might be something else going on with your account. It's, again, it's really difficult for us to see. If you were to do an audit, that's something we could look at. No problem. It, it could be a competition coming in. Someone lowered, like your competitor might have lowered their price way too much, and then they're just trying to sell through their inventory. Again, it's it's very difficult to say, but also it being June and this time of year, right before Prime Day, it's not it's not that surprising that sales have dropped a little bit, but 50% is pretty extreme. So we'd have to kind of dive into it a little further. Awesome. So yeah, Ronald, don't hesitate on booking that free audit where we can help you dive deeper into that. We have another question here from Kishana and they're asking, what is the average considered most reasonable cost to start out, start out ad spend? So it, it really, again, I don't, I hate to give a vague answer, but it kind of, it really depends on the type of product you're selling and the category you're selling in, for instance, and it's about how much you're willing to spend too. So you can go a conservative approach, let's say spend 500 to $1,000 a month at first, if that's where you want to play at for the given moment. But it really depends on the categories too. So like when I said earlier, CPC cost per click, meaning every click you have to pay that uh, either cents or dollars on, it's going to range completely different depending on the category. For instance, like supplements, it's not unheard of to have five to $6 clicks, CPCs, I should say. So, and, and then in my category, it's also really competitive and on my private label business selling pet supplies, and that's like two to $3 a click. So supplements is probably at the top. And then like pets are very overcrowded market. So that's like two to three a click, but a lot of our clients see 40 cents a click, 50 cents a click. So it really depends on how much you're willing to put up front. 
I think a good starting point is usually about a grand to 2000. It also depends on how much inventory you have, because again, kind of going back to the inventory part of it, you don't want to be stuck with too much inventory, but when you're placing the order for your inventory, that's when you probably should do the math and understand how much you should allocate for ad spend. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. And then we have two more questions. So Sam is asking, what sort of advantages are there to using MCAs for growth capital over traditional financing options like an SBA loan? And I think Emma, you would be the person to know more about that. Yeah. So I think a lot of it, a big piece of it is speed and it's more of like a short, short term something that you need quickly and not something that you want to go through kind of like a longer, more formal process for. So that can be really great if you're in a spot of like really knowing that, knowing exactly what you need to do with that cash um, and needing it like as quickly as possible. And then I think another piece of it is that you can, with MCAs, you can kind of work with them to get like a fixed cost per the term. So like, as long as you're paying everything back, then it's like less focus on interest and it can be kind of nice to know more of like what you're getting into in terms of like the, the fees and like the payment back. But yeah, yeah, that's probably what I, what I would say, like the main benefits. Sounds good. And then last question also from Sam, can IPI affect what sort of financing options are available to me? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, honestly, maybe for something like Amazon loans, like it probably would affect it, but I feel like it would be less so much about IPI and just the fact of, so obviously if your IPI is low, that means you've been man managing inventory not very well, which means that your sales probably are not so consistent. Like maybe it's like either you've been just, just been stocking out all the time and you've have been having periods where you're not selling anything or you just are overstocked and you're not, your sales are slower. In which case, like your sales history is a big piece of for something like an MCA where they're looking at they're not looking looking at the business owner and like credit or anything like that. They're looking at literally just the store and the success of the store. So that 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 variable is primarily sales history. So if sales history is inconsistent or like just there's not much momentum, that will impact your ability to get financing rather than like the IPI itself. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I think that was a great, very insightful Q&A session. Thank you to the audience for those questions, sending us over those questions. And then just to wrap things up, we really want to highlight the free ad audit that we're offering to you guys as audience members. So we take around, if you want a free ad audit, we look at your data and we take around 90 to 120 days of your selling data. And we really deliver 20 plus page report of holistic advertising strategies and tactics that are very specific to your brand and your products. And it's proven to drastically scale your revenue. So in many cases, we are able, we are able to do all of this within the same uh, budget that you have, or even within a reduced budget. So we look at your campaign strategy, 
We look at your advertising performance analytics and your keyword strategy as well. And we just deliver that 20 plus page report to you with no commitment, no credit card needed, and it's completely free. And our privacy commitment to you is that we understand your data is very important. Obviously your data privacy. So your data remains confidential and no information at all will be stored with Mayan. We just analyze it to identify the areas of growth and the opportunities of growth, obviously, because yeah, as fellow sellers, we deeply understand and respect this very important aspect of your business. So if you're looking to, or if you're interested in performing, in making your ads perform better, definitely book an ad audit with us. And we also have an exclusive offer for you guys from 8FIG. So they're offering you 5% of your funding plan when you mention Mayan webinar during the onboarding process. That's an incredible offer in my opinion. So you can just scan this QR code right here on the screen and you can learn more at 8FIG.co or give 8FIG a holler at howdy at 8FIG.co. So yeah, that's a really, really great offer. And that's it. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you, Chris and Emma, for your time. We're super happy to have had you here. And without further ado, we can call this webinar done. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Myonomics, where we break down the strategies on how to sell and scale on Amazon. This content was sponsored by Mayan, a PPC and inventory optimization platform for Amazon sellers. Mayan provides a free advertising audit to show you how well your advertising could be performing. Learn more at try.mayan.co slash audit.